Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Fingers Malloy is here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Brought to you by Backbone Bourbon, the finest bourbon in the land. They also do incredible rye and gin and fanimation, your ceiling fan professionals. Fanimation.com. I caught a video of the owner of Fanimation doing some kind of green screen dance, and it was like the whole thing was on fire, and uh, I'm now frightened of a sponsor. So I'm just going to keep that man very happy. It was very, very trippy, strange, like Studio 54-esque kind of public access green screen craziness. Was Today, it like Burning Man? It was like Burning Man, except there were less dirty people there. Oh, That's a, basically the best way I could go with it. Today, because it is Thanksgiving week, uh-huh. there, Fingers Malloy, you said, hey, I have a list. I have a list of the things that you're supposed to drink. On Thanksgiving, the best Thanksgiving cocktails and the easiest cocktails to make for Thanksgiving. So we, for the first time doing mixed drinks on the show, we've got cocktails. We are doing the Rob Roy. Now, the Rob Roy traditionally, my people, is one and a half ounces of scotch, three quarters ounce sweet vermouth, Angostura bitters to taste, and it's garnished with the maraschino cherry. So we've got the spike right here. Uh, And there are one, two, three, four, five. That is Cinco. Cinco right there on the maraschino cherries. You got five maraschino. Do you, oh, you don't have five? I have four. Ah, well, somebody well, knows you're in charge. Yeah, it's your show. <laughs> Do you want to eat my cherry? Because the joke has to tell itself. And we're also using as the scotch here, we're using Old Blowin', which if you've never had before, we reviewed on an earlier episode of, of, of Eat, Drink, Smoke. We, we've, we've done that. It is made by our guys at Backbone Bourbon. Fantastic sponsors. I'm not a mixed drink guy. I'm not used to mixed drinks. It's not where I go live and breathe. No? This is supposedly made with a bitters that has a little bit more of a leathery feel to it to be a better accentuation of the cigars. We've got a a Nicaraguan that we're going to be getting into, and I cannot wait uh, to smoke. Are you a Rob Roy guy? Uh, No. I am a Manhattan guy. I do like a Manhattan. So Manhattan is normally served in a rocks glass, right? Because this isn't a martini glass. Well, you can serve a Manhattan up. Uh, Normally, it's just... uh, a whiskey with a sweet vermouth and cherry. Or five, apparently. Um, I have five, and I'm not going to eat them. I cannot eat a maraschino cherry. Why not? Oh, well, these aren't maraschino wait. cherries. Yeah, of course they are. No. Yes, they they're, are. They're cocktail cherries. It's a they're, maraschino they're, cherry. It's a dark cherry. I think it's dark because it's been sitting in something. Wait, what do you, what do you think the difference is? Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, back in July... Family members wanted a Manhattan, and the only cherries they had at the liquor store, these were dark cherries. They weren't the kind that you would put in a fruit salad at Thanksgiving, the maraschino. I mean, these right. may, very well, may, may very well be dark maraschino cherries. I don't know. Now, Manhattan, by the way, is rye and sweet vermouth and bitters. So, a man, yeah, that's a Manhattan. A Rob Roy is with, with, is with whiskey. That's how I have it. Because hmm. basically, it's a Scotch Manhattan. That's yeah. I, I, that's always been the difference. At least I, I don't know in any other way. Do you? What do you think you're drinking? Because that's what I mean. This is it. I'll be all this time. I thought I was having a Manhattan. I was drinking Blue Maui. No, that's not. That's not. That's not. Are you ready to do this thing? Sure. All right. So I, my, my by the way, my first ever Rob Roy. My first ever. I don't ever do this kind of stuff. I'm a very. What's the matter? Am I? Do I have it wrong? Because I don't think I do. I guess you don't. I don't. 
And that's the part. It kind of like people like get all sorts of super confused. There are only so many configurations of drinks. There are, you know, there are only so many ways that it, that it can be done. You might be thinking of some other things like an old fashioned and some other uh, drinks. You know, you got to muddle the thing and everything else. No, no, no. Rob Roy and a, and a, and a Manhattan, very, very easy See, standard drinks. It depends on the recipe. Some say a rye whiskey. Others say just whiskey. That's what I thought it was, just whiskey. Like uh, you go on a uh, Bon Appetit. But it's not scotch. It would be more of, of to, to a whiskey side, a bourbon side, as yes. opposed to scotch itself. Because scotch is what makes it a Rob Roy. Yes. Two and a half ounces of bourbon. Two and a half ounces? Such as Buffalo Trace, uh, maraschino cherry, one ounce of sweet vermouth. Hold on. Maraschino and, cherry? Mm-hmm. I told you. Well, I don't know why you're arguing with me. Well, here's a mar- but look at the picture of the maraschino cherry. Yeah, but we're at Blend, and they're serious people. They probably soak them in grain alcohol and meth. <laughs> These people want you to have a good time. They're not screwing around. People at Blend are serious. Can we have this drink now? I want to try it. I've never had it. This is very exciting. Here's mud in your eye. Hey, I don't even know what that means. We just clinked glasses. We just clink glasses like we're fancy. Like we're having our second honeymoon in Cancun. Oh. Oh, that's sweeter than I thought it would be. Oh. There's the bitters and everything else. Honestly, I am convinced that the people who do mixed drinks are just fooling themselves. I've always felt that way. It's why I don't order them. Oh, oh, fingers, what's wrong? Fingers, you're begrudgingly taking another sip. You seem angry. And it's, it's true, by the way. I'm not the mixed drink guy. But I see people like have a great joy with it and the art of it and everything else. And, and so I, I appreciate that, but it's just not who I am. What, what's the matter? It tastes like Jägermeister and cough medicine. Wow. I don't know if that's anything like Jägermeister. I mean, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> it's not going to waste. But I don't think I'll ever order another Rob Roy. But it, it, but you you would drink a Manhattan, which is near the same thing. We've had a Manhattan before. Not, a, not me. Yes, you have. I have? That barrel oh, over God, there. there was a whole premix thing. You're yeah. right. And we the journeyman. And we we did it. the journeyman. Yeah. And that was lovely. Yeah. Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That was huh. pre-made. It was all... There was no mixing by the bartender. It was, here's your Are Manhattan. You? It was already made. I like that. This, I, I'm telling you, it tastes like Robitussin and Jägermeister mixed together. Maybe that's what they what were going for. It could be. I mean, I'm going to drink it. because I'm. It's not so bad. See, you're very good. You have very good willpower. You, you, you're able to say, you know what? Um, I'm not going to drink this if I don't enjoy it. That's true. I look at it like, oh, that's a waste if it gets poured out of the drink. <laughs> I need to finish this. And by the way, the old blowing is terrific. It's a 14-year-old done a Port Dundas, uh, and it is 55% alcohol by volume. Um, there aren't that many of them. And it's weird because like, it's not what Backbone Bourbon is known for, but uh, the owner, Nolan, was like, you know what? I want to do it. So he just did it. And it's, it's very cool. And I, I enjoyed uh, the, the old blowing when we did the review of it. Um, are you, bitters are you, are just don't work for me. Are you, are uh, you am done? I done with it? I'm gonna. I will tell you, the initial taste got me. I'm like, that's that's wonderful. And then what happens on the back as the bitters kind of get more pronounced? It's like it just it doesn't. I'll tell move you what. Me. Let me tell you this. Wait till you get to the second third of this drink. Stop it. Now you're <laughs> just making stuff up. No, I, I am serious though. I've had a couple more sips, and it is getting better as it goes down. <laughs> Oh, 
Is, is this all in preparation for a Thanksgiving where you're going to see a lot of family? Yes. Are you, are you okay with that? Oh, absolutely. Enjoy my family. Yeah? Yeah, it's a good time. And there's not, you know, it, you see all these social media posts about, oh, prepare for the the liberal at your family lecturing you at the table or the Trump fan at the table and what to do to right. defuse the conversation. I don't think I've ever been in a situation at a, a family Thanksgiving dinner where someone had to blow up the entire table with politics for a half hour. Oh, for five you did not grow up like I did. I mean, unless but everybody uh, pretty much agrees in our family. So right. what about oh, you? Do you, no, have you no. guys growing, have growing up, growing up Thanksgiving and then Passover, right? Oh, the okay. Seders were all politics and brutal and brutal. And no one ever calmed down. I was a kid at the time watching it. It just got every year more and more intense to a point of, of mad, of real madness from everybody. It, it was it was not enjoyable, uh, and and you know I I try now with kids and everything else to kind of create our own way and, and have our own traditions and do our own things, you know. And then there's some things you just got to deal with, you know, family wise. Uh, so uh, this is the first thing I, I, we don't do Thanksgiving over the last couple of years with extended family, right? It's just usually uh, us. Uh, but this is the first Thanksgiving where uh, my. My father-in-law has passed away, so it's the first Thanksgiving without him. So that's going. That adds another element of the thing. So it's it's more on, on a personal what's happening as opposed to emotional because people take these days and they make them have meaning. I swear to you, and I, and I don't know if if there's like something wrong with me. I don't do that with anything. I don't decide that something matters because it's a day on a calendar. Something matters because it matters. Right? The random Tuesday is just as important as the fourth Thursday or the final Thursday in November. Right? It's equally as important. How could it not be? And so I don't I don't ever understand, you know, why like, oh, I, I can't believe I have to work this day, or I can't believe I have to what is the what does any of that actually matter? Is is that really what's important here? I will tell but I, I I get that I'm different. Like you're about to tell me that I'm that I'm different. Uh my uh, true, full disclosure, true story. My twentieth anniversary, and my wife is perfect. I love my wife in a way that is indescribable. I love our, I, I love her. I love our marriage. I love how we do it, and we certainly, you know, have have been able to work through things and disagree about things. I, it is us against the world. I could not be happier. I was in New York. She was in Indianapolis. I was working. Our 20th anniversary, I was working because we knew that the day was insignificant to what it is that we're doing and building. And I don't understand the people who are so focused on the day. I'm not saying you shouldn't take time. I'm not saying you shouldn't have appreciation, right? But I just don't get worked up over holidays. I I don't. But holidays are a little different in that, say for Thanksgiving, for instance, unless you're working retail chances are everyone has the day off and it's a day where everyone can get together and that's as you get older it feels like that gets harder and harder to pull off because everybody's got their separate lives and stuff uh so i I think holidays at least for me are a little bit more important i'm going through the same thing that you're going through this is my first year that my father-in-law won't be here for thanksgiving right and you wonder going in what kind of emotional roller coaster that will be when you know that there's a loss there. There's there's mm-hmm. there's 
something was there last year and it's not there this year. And it, the first the year of firsts and that's bad. why I don't I don't judge it right I think there was a time in my life where I absolutely judged the people who were like the day meant so much but I don't I don't judge my mother in law uh, it's they were married for fifty years yeah. I don't judge her these things do matter they do have a, a, a feel about them so I'm glad we're not doing it with, with other people it's just that I I don't get Nothing about the day is kind of kind of gets me, you know, over over emotional. I guess I get emotional about other things, you know. You, you know, I want to ask you something. You bring up emotion, right? Do I do I have them? Yes. Well, no, that's not that. But did you notice that? For for me, I was not an emotional cat until I had kids, and then stuff that would I wouldn't think twice about. The only thing I may get teary eyed about is if a sports figure were to retire. So. <laughs> How are the Lions doing, by uh, the way? They retired 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, I noticed myself getting emotional, especially when it, something with the kids. You know, if something, you know, if we just had a marching band thing recently. They had a competition, and they did a great job. And you see it, and you're like, I get a little emotional. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what, what the hell happened to you? What You're getting all emotional. You're not supposed right. to have emotions. You're supposed to... Press them down deep and stomp on well, them. Well, you're not supposed to get emotional over a marching band. That's really ridiculous. Well, no, no. It's about the, how proud I was in the moment, you know, because they worked so hard. No, I wasn't, like, sobbing violently, you know, over a marching band. I was just, like, got choked up a little bit seeing, you know, the kids yeah, do well. I, now, that, I think that's normal. I do that. You yeah. know, I, I, there's no doubt that I do. Usually, it's when they figured something out. That I never discussed with them. They just on their own understood it, got it, and came to a reasoning and were able to explain it. Like when they can do stuff like that, it's like, oh, damn, maybe I'm not a failure. Right? <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. There are times I'll, like something like that will happen. I, I will go to bed. I will turn to my wife and I'll be like, my job is done. Yeah. My job is done. And then I'll cry like a baby. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I do get emotional in, in front of them. Yes, that, that stuff I do because it... It's nice to know that they're like like you're like maybe something rubbed off, like maybe they caught something, or it's nice to know that they might be able to actually handle themselves in an ever insane world, right? That they yeah. can go into that world and, and be okay. Like that's that's mostly the stuff I I think about uh, with them. But that's a whole different level of emotion than what I think about. You know, Thanksgiving are getting worked up on Thanksgiving, and I am somebody talk about the politics. And I've advised this on the radio show. I don't believe that people should go to family dinners where they get overly political. If you're, it is not incumbent upon you to go to a family dinner where they hate you. Don't go. Don't tell me, oh well, it's family. That is the biggest bunch of horse crap ever. I have met total strangers who are more lovely and kind and decent to me than certain members of the family. 150%. There is much more to family than the very concept of blood. And you're not supposed to live through some kind of pain or anguish or, or, or attack methodology or have to feel like, okay, my job is to sit on my hands and say nothing and just eat the turkey and get out of there uh, as quickly as I can. That's not, that's no way to live. I reject that you should even go. Don't go. Don't do it. It's a ridiculous idea. Ridiculous. I've been saying this for years. If, if, if the people you go see want to tell you about how much they hate you, go see other people. Screw them. They're unnecessary. I just don't understand. And you know this happens with people who are overly political. 
they go in thinking about how they're going to have some sort of political debate during the holidays. And I don't know about you. I, when I've been in those situations, and they have been rare, I've never left thinking, wow, completely changed my mind on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we had this discussion. Have you not gone into family events like um, asking yourself, okay, what when when my wife and I were were dating, if 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 you will, um, we would go to see her family for for whatever, and I would say to her, "Okay, what are the taboo subjects? What don't you talk about?" I, every single time, I must have done that for ten years into our marriage. Never mind the dating time. I wanted to check double. Check. I was not interested in being a guy who brought up the problems. But I've never walked in saying, okay, I'm going to have a political debate. But it's I can tell you because maybe because of, of what I do and what you do, I know there are people who will come into a place where I am to want to have a political conversation with me. Like, desperate to. Right. Almost to have a fight. Yeah. You know, in, in that way. So there are some people who come for that. And then there are the people who just can't control themselves because they have no emotional control at all. Literally none. The only taboo subject that I can think of that I was told not to bring up is Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> Nearly oh my spit God. his water out. Oh, my God. Nearly spit his water out. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, hold on. I got to breathe. <sighs> wow. I've known you a long time. <laughs> that was a first. Oh, my God. That hurt so bad. <laughs> Almost directly out of the mouth. Did the water doth flow. Backbone bourbon, by the way, that makes the old blow-in. Fantastic bourbon, fantastic gin, fantastic rye. I'm telling you, the Bone Snapper Rye. Talk about a great Thanksgiving Day gift to bring to the family. If you're in Indiana, you can find it in any liquor store. If you're not, you got to ask for it by name. This is Backbone Bourbon, the prime and the uncut, then the, then the uh, bone-dry gin and the X-Ray. Right? They have a Bone Snapper Rye and an X-Ray Rye. I like the Bone Snapper. The X-Ray, that's a little tougher. It is just so absolutely terrific, and if it's if it's a family that you like, definitely worth uh, bringing, and it should be in your liquor cabinet as well. This is not for doing shots. This is not for getting drunk. This is for sipping and enjoying and really engaging that flavor profile, and it does pair great with a lot of the cigars that we've reviewed here at Eat, Drink, Smoke on Apple Podcasts, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Fantastic people doing great work, and if you can find the old blow-in, Oh, absolutely pick up a bottle. The old blowing is terrific, terrific scotch. This is Backbone Bourbon, backbonebourbon.com. And uh, with the Backbone Bourbon or the old blowing, you can make a Manhattan or a Rob Roy, and you have turned around fingers. You're now a fan of the Rob Roy. It's, You're eyeing it's, mine. Getting, it's getting better. You're eyeing mine. Uh, well, I, I know how you are. Yeah. And what can I do? Uh, hey, yeah, I'm but like, I, you know what I don't leave behind? I don't leave behind anything from Backbone Bourbon. I never leave behind the primer, the uncut. I never leave behind the X ray. Or the Bone Snapper Rye or uh, the Bone Dry Gin. BackboneBourbon.com. Harvard played Yale. And I know that's the game you had all your money on, <laughs> right? And, and you did it. It's the Harvard-Yale football game. And next thing you know, there's a good 100-plus protesters on the field. They're sitting there at halftime uh, holding signs that says, Nobody wins. Yale and Harvard are complicit in climate injustice. And I just want to say it's about damn time that somebody called out Harvard and Yale for what they're doing to the rest of us and the planet. 
and really mostly with the scumbags that they graduate out who think they're actually smarter and in charge. Because wait, is that because they're? I'm, I thought they were talking about the political climate and the climate injustice they're creating. Well, oh, are they talking about the weather? Yeah. Uh, see, now I don't get it. This is dumb. And of course, Ocasio Cortez, Representative Ocasio Cortez, and Bernie Sanders—they're all applauding and cheering. No. This is the best sign I have ever seen. I have never seen such a sign. I could see it all the way from here, and I didn't need my glasses. That's a good sign. That's as good as I do with Bernie Sanders. I don't know. I've been working on it. I've been working on my Trump, and it's still working. Yeah, keep working. Yeah. Um, when can we just stop? When can we just stop? Wh- who is changing their mind at a yeah? At, at, again, who's changing their mind? Who gets moved by these signs except the people who are already not talking about, hey, we shouldn't burn tires in the middle of the road because we shouldn't burn tires in the middle of the road. You shouldn't pollute the creek. I'm saying who's like, you know what? Now I have to go do this as well. I love it when trust fund kids get on the soapbox (laughs) during their Harvard-Yale football game to tell me how the world should be and uh, and how, you know, if we embrace the Green New Deal, Tony... uh, It'll really affect those trust fund kids. They will. <laughs> but the the cost to go to Harvard is what fifty thousand a year, something like that. I assume Yale is somewhere the same. These are also the two schools with two of the biggest endowments uh, in in the in the nation, if not the world, in terms of the billions of dollars that they have. If they really wanted to do something about justice, they would make college free uh, to all those kids who can't afford it and not put it on the taxpayer, just take it out of the endowment. If they cared at all, that's what they do. Uh, it must be really hard for these rich kids <laughs> because what they've been told is that to be rich is evil. Yep. To be rich is shameful. All of them are rich one way or another because they got to Harvard. In one way or another, they are elitist and quote-unquote privileged. And now they have to prove that they're worthy people. They have to prove that they're... That, that they're good people, and the only way to do that is to engage in protest. This is not about the, the climate. This is about them proving that it's not just all about the money mommy and daddy have. It's not just all about the status or the last name. All right. David Hogg is a freshman at Harvard, and the only reason David Hogg is a freshman at Harvard is not because of what he went through at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School or what the school really went through. It's that he was able to be the front and center guy and was the king of woke on being anti-gun. And we should be clear, he's anti-gun. David Hogg and that entire group of March for Our Lives, they are anti-gun. They are anti-Second Amendment. They should be asked what the people of Hong Kong should do (laughs) every single day. They're not talking about anything common sense. They don't believe in anything common sense. They're not in favor of it. They are in favor of you not being able to have a Second Amendment right. And if they were honest, it would be better. But he got into Harvard because CNN didn't worry about the fact that he was a child at the time. They just kept putting him on TV and putting him on TV and feeding him what to say and putting him on TV. Child abuse, as I saw, from beginning uh, to end. So all of these kids have to now go prove their worth because they, they know deep down inside they never earned it. They got to go. The toughest thing they will ever have to do in their lives is get into Harvard. Because once you're in Harvard... The rest is easy. Just get your degree. And you're going to get your degree. You're going to get your degree. The alumni network that they have, just put that on there. You're from Harvard or Yale. Forget the fact that people who didn't go to Harvard and Yale will be impressed that it's on your resume. But the alumni network, oh, you went to Harvard? I went to Harvard. Come into my office. Right. 
so I, look, I I keep going back to the Green New Deal and how it will affect the middle class and poor in this country. Energy prices will go through the roof. Food prices will go through the roof, and we won't be able to sustain the economy on wind power, solar, and unicorn farts. The elitist is never so happy as when they're taxing the poor. When we talk about soda taxes, right, like New York wants to do and Philadelphia wants to do, it's a tax on the poor. Of course it is, because rich people can still afford soda. Here in Indiana, they wanted to do a tax on cigarettes. And they wanted to, uh, you know, they were going to help with smoking cessation programs and whatever other garbage they were talking about. And they were going to add a $2 uh, a pack tax. Well, that's a tax on the poor because the rich person can still afford cigarettes. Also, that's not a way to use economic disincentive as a way of getting people to change behavior. If you really want people not to smoke, it's a $72 a pack tax on cigarettes. Now you'll get people to stop smoking. Seven, why are you pussyfooting around it? They're pretending. They, they lie about what it is they're trying to do top line. Of course it's about control. I'm not saying people should, should smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes. I've never had a cigarette. But, dear Lord, if you're a grown-up and you want to smoke a cigarette, you want to do damage to yourself, knock yourself out, live your life, I don't think you should do it. But I don't think government should be getting uh, in, involved in it. And I really don't like it because I know it's going to affect cigars one day. I yeah. can't have it. But $2 a pack, that's just going after poor people. When they talk about a tax on meat because they want meatless Monday or whatever other garbage that's not good for the environment, it's a tax on poor people constantly and consistently. It's a tax on poor people. Every single time. And the elitist trying to save you from yourself is an attack on the poor first. And you're right about the Green New Deal. Well, and here's the other thing when it comes to a protest like this. Have you ever been swayed by a protest that interrupts something that you are doing? No. I, I the, the, the notion that you can go out into traffic and stop traffic, block traffic, people trying to go to work, people trying to go to the grocery store, people trying to take their kids to school, and you've got some morons in the middle of a street blocking traffic or stopping a football game like this. After that happens, I've never thought to myself, oh, I never thought of it that way. The people who block traffic are the reason God made bulldozers. <laughs> and there's a video out from something over the weekend where one guy, I mean, it might have been a couple guys, but there was one guy who stopped, a, stopped a, an SUV. Stood in front of it, stopped it. So the SUV kept driving, driving, and driving. And the guy eventually uh, fell off the, the, the hood of the car and fell over. And the guy stopped because the kid uh, then starts kicking the driver's door. Driver got out and beat the living daylights out of him. And I want to say for the record that the kid who got beat is lucky that's all that happened to him. Yeah. These, the, first of all, these aren't protesters. These are, these are lawbreakers. These are dangerous people. This whole Antifa crowd, they are violent. They are dangerous. They're not anti-fascist. They are the fascists. It's, it is so important to recognize that fascism is not a political movement. Fascism is a tool. It is incredibly, incredibly important. And there are some, I forget his name. He's German. Um, uh, professor who, who does a great work on this. Kevin Williamson has written about this. Over at National Review, fascism is a tool by which uh, people implement power or try to gain power. That's what it is. Antifa is a fascist organization. Antifa is a violent organization. And these people who think they can engage in violence, whether it be blocking traffic or they interrupt speakers, America's had enough and the pushback is here and you're going to start seeing more of it. And it's going to get violent and get not only get ready for it. I want the Antifa people to know what happened to them. It's seriously, it should be like a Bronx tale. Next thing you know, Chaz Palminteri has locked them, uh, the, bi the biker gang in the bar. Now you can't leave. 
Now you're going to get the beating. Now, we didn't want to give you a beating. We just wanted to hang out and have a drink. And we let you into our bar and said you can have a drink, too. And then you acted like you owned the bar and tried to keep us from having a drink. Now you got to learn your lesson. That's the way this one goes. And so it should. These people who block traffic and stopping people from going to work. If my father is in an ambulance, has to get to a hospital, and can't get there because these people have blocked traffic and he dies, every single one of them goes on a list. What are you talking about? Yeah. And this is, this is the worst. I'm not going worst case scenario. I'm going the only case scenario. What do these people think they're doing? Protest is protest. I'm down. I'm in. They have their rights. They have the right to speak, even if I hate them. All of it. And I will, have, I will gladly defend them. And I will gladly defend their right to do it. Not what they're saying. What they're saying is moronic. What they believe is foolhardy. But when they block traffic, the cops should come in with bulldozers and move them out of the way. Well, and it's sickening how government officials... Like corporate Portland, me- yeah. Corporate media turns a blind eye to a bunch of people coming up to a rally or a political event with bike locks in socks and tire irons of tolerance to hit people over the head with. Tire irons of tolerance? Yeah, the tire irons of tolerance that they beat people with. And repeatedly, this group gets away with it yeah. without any kind of... Of pushback from a media, and I know it's it's so and, easy to do, and I and I'm sick of doing it. But if this were if these were right wingers doing this, by by God, they would be named a terrorist organization. The National Guard would be called it, and for good freaking reason. Yeah, you're, of course you're right, and we've we've seen the the entirety of impeachment has showed a lot of double standard, and and we'll, I don't want to dig in on on impeachment just to say, God, I hope they're done. Just get to a vote. But I don't know if they're done. Like they might, they might actually start calling more people. And I don't. It's if they're calling more people, then they feel like the Democrats feel that stretching this out is good for them in going after Trump and diminishing him. The polling doesn't show that he's totally willing. He literally said last week, "I want a trial. Let's get to it." So, I, this is how I explain it uh, with impeachment. Uh, Donald Trump is Michael Douglas. Uh, the. Democratic Party is Glenn Close, and we are the bunny. <laughs> it's the best way I can figure out explaining it. This is awful, what is happening, regardless of your politics. Just get on with it. You want to do it, vote. Vote the articles. If they pass, bring it to the Senate, have the trial. Let's do the thing, and let's move on with our day. In the meantime, all of these people who are blocking traffic, all the, they haven't swayed, as you said, a soul. Nobody is swayed. No one got swayed by Colin Kaepernick. Who, by the way, got the try? You followed the tryout debacle, right? Oh yeah, ridiculous. The NFL sets up a tryout for Colin Kaepernick, who isn't out of the league because he took a knee. He's out of the league because he wouldn't sign a contract. He got offered uh, a a re up there in San Francisco and didn't take it. He's the reason he's out of the league. They organized a tryout for him, a, a workout, I should say, for him, and. They set it all up, and the next thing you know, he's not happy with the waiver the NFL wants him to sign, so he moves where it is. He doesn't want to play football, so eight teams show up to see him throw a ball for 40 minutes. He's wearing a Kunta Kinte t-shirt. Now, if you don't know what Kunta Kinte is, we got to go back to the TV show Roots, going back to the 80s. LeVar Burton, it is worth watching. It was a, it was a television event 
and a half. And LeVar Burton plays this slave that comes to America named Kunta Kinte, and they want to rename him Toby. That's going to be his, his Christian name or his English name. And they're whipping him. What's your name and what's your name? And he won't give up. He's, my name is Kunta, Kunta Kinte. All right, a very powerful, powerful scene. And there's Colin Kaepernick, raised by white parents, wearing a T-shirt that says Kunta Kinte, while he's dealing with a, how many millions of dollars of a Nike contract, he wants me to think of him as a slave? Just like a slave, Tony. Why, if you were a team, why would you ever, ever take him? He so doesn't want to play football. Well, no. And then did you see the press conference? He, it wasn't even a press conference. It was a press statement. Oh, well, I heard him. Calling out the NFL. Calling out, the, what are you running from? I, we've talked about this previously. That if you're an NFL general manager, if you're an NFL coach, the one thing that you want to stay away from is distraction in the locker room. Yeah. And he is nothing but a huge distraction. It'll be nothing but uh, asking teammates, what do you think about us bringing Colin Kaepernick in? How do you think he uh, performed on the practice field this week? Should he start? Uh, is he going to kneel? Are you going to kneel with him? Coaches, general managers don't want anything to do with anything when it comes to a distraction like that. So that's another reason why he's out of the league. The NFL hates distractions. And he's proven with, with this stunt that he pulled. Because the NFL is like he, didn't, he was a no-show. And Jay-Z feels like it was a personal front. Jay-Z is the reason he got the workout. They brought in Jay-Z to the NFL for some social justice nonsense as a way of appeasing people. And he gets a huge deal and he gets himself a team or whatever, whatever it is. And they allow this workout to happen. Colin Kaepernick screws up the workout, has his own workout. And so maybe there are teams interested in him, maybe not. But Colin Kaepernick's not interested in playing football. Colin Kaepernick has also not moved the needle at all when it comes to uh, police brutality in America. Because that was the subject, right? He wanted to bring a light to police brutality in America. Has not done a damn thing. But when you're... You don't get to compare yourself to slaves. And if you say to me, Tony, are you allowed to say that? The answer is yes. Yes, I am. I have a mind. I know a little bit about history. I've read a book in my life. No, he doesn't get to make that comparison. I'll take that on with anybody because there are some things, no, you don't get to do. You just don't get to do. You're not a slave. And if he was really thinking that, that he was a slave and that the NFL was treating him like a slave, he, with all his star power and his multi-million dollar contract, should start a league. And that league can have ownership from the players. And that league can be only this or only that. And that league can take knees or not to the national anthem at all. Or, I don't know, take giant craps on the field. Whatever it is that they think they should do. They can have all sorts of names on their uniforms uh, that they want. It would be fine. That's what he should do if he feels he's being so put upon. But the NFL owes him nothing. The teams owe him nothing. Other players owe him nothing. He is owed ungats. And to wear a shirt that says Kunta Kinte has got to be... It, it, how can you not be just stunned and gross, like disgusted by that maneuver? You sabotage yourself before you even go in, which tells me he doesn't want to play in the NFL. The NFL is the only big game in town. We have minor, you know, got XFL coming. But for the most part, it's just the NFL. And if the NFL says, we're going to basically give you a job interview... And you need to show up at the Atlanta Falcons practice facility, and you're going to try out for 23 teams. 
and you think you're bigger than the NFL, you're gonna. St- I can't imagine if uh, say Radio Incorporated is the only big radio place, uh, the only big radio corporation in America, right. and they say, "Fingers, we want you to show up uh, at uh, the Empire State Building for an interview." And I say, "Oh, you know what? Screw the Empire State Building. I'm not showing up there. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna meet in Jersey. Go to hell." No, you don't want to be a part of Radio Incorporated. You don't want to be a part of the NFL if you're changing the venue, <laughs> trying to screw up the the the, uh, the tryout before you even get there. How many guys would get former players oh. would give their right arm for a second chance workout? How many of them? How many of them would give their right arm for the NFL to give them a second chance workout for them to organize it? They would have shown up to Atlanta. They would have been there. There was a, a story about is his name Jonas Gray, and he was a running back for the New England Patriots, and against the Indianapolis Colts, he had like an insane game, two hundred something yards, absolutely positively insane. And then like the next week, uh, his alarm didn't go off because for whatever reason the guy only had one alarm clock. I have four, by the way, <laughs> for because I never want to be late for what I do. Right. Uh, and his alarm didn't go off, and he showed up late for practice. And then three weeks later, he was off the team, and now he's trying to find his way back into the NFL. Right? The guy can clearly run. He didn't show up for a practice, and Coach Belichick was like, all right, we can't have this. Can't, can't have it. And that was the end of that. That was the downfall moment. Then other things happened, maybe an injury, stuff like that. How much would he love another chance? How much would he love that opportunity? Well, let's find out how many guys would love and would pay their own way to an NFL workout. The NFL should do it. Second chance workout. You could make an entire uh, series out of it. You know like they do hard knocks? Yep. You could make an entire series out of second chance workout. And people would show up out of everywhere because there are great stories and great athletes out there who, for whatever reason, didn't make it the first time around, couldn't make it last the first time around. Not even things sometimes of their fault, sometimes just of circumstance would give anything. And here comes Colin Kaepernick to let you know how woke he is, how special he is, and how little the game of football means to him. And now how little the NFL means to him. How little the players mean to him. The only thing that means something to him is him because he has found that being a martyr is more profitable than being a player and you get less concussions. And a longer career. And a And a far, far longer career. Don't want to hear my Bob Seger rant? I just didn't know that you were so angry at John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp is Indiana Institution. By the way, that was the weirdest cut we just ever did (laughs) in 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 our lives. Because we were about to get on to the smoke. And then, like... Fingers, Fingers is like all upset that, that John Mellencamp is playing at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, where we record. And he's like, John Mellencamp, he's the, he's the, he's the, he's the what? The Bob Seeger of Indiana. Because Bob Seeger is the John Mellencamp of Michigan. Right. I mean, when you grow up in Michigan, it's, hey, how about a little uh, old time rock and roll for you? Like that song? How about like a I rock? I have often taken the old records off the shelf. Oh, God. So they cram Bob Seeger down your throat if you're from Michigan. Down here, when I, I moved down here in 2000, it was, hey, have you heard Jack and Jill? Or D- Jack and Diane? Jack and Diane. Yeah, you want to hear that again? Want to hear it again? Oh, yeah. Little Pink Houses for you and me. John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. I can't even say it ten times fast. No, who could? But so he comes on, you're like, uh, fire. Uh, Do you uh, not like any of his music? I did before I moved down here. And it's too much. John Mellencamp is everywhere. 
But I assume they, I mean, like, it's Jersey, man. You're going to hear Bruce Springsteen 24 7, 365. You're going to outrageous. And wouldn't that drive Bruce. you crazy? I, you, uh, I mean, Bruce is his overrated. Politics drive me crazy. Bruce is overrated. Oh, you're nuts. No, I'm not. Oh, no, he's not. No, Bruce now, sure. Bruce then? Bruce of Nebraska, Bruce? Thunder Road, Bruce? Jungle Land, Bruce? Are you kidding? Interstate Trooper, Bruce? I heard of someone else named Nebraska, Bruce. I've never heard Bruce Springsteen called there, Nebraska, there, Bruce. There's a guy at a rest stop named Nebraska, <laughs> Bruce. And actually, if you go to Urban Dictionary, yeah. you can find out what the Nebraska, Bruce is. Can we just put her own entry in? Can we just invent the Nebraska Bruce? <laughs> oh, let me get into the smoke really quick. Mm. I am so pleased. This is a Nicaraguan Puro, which is to say it's Nicaraguan through and through. This is from Davidoff. This is their Nicaragua. So I, I was going through this in the concept of shapes, right? So this is what's known as a figurado. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're still at Nebraska Bruce? So this is, uh, you know, I, I listen, I think Davidoff is doing great stuff. And part of, you know, we, we do a lot of our recordings at Blend Bar Cigar. They're at Davidoff Lounge. So we end up rec- reviewing a lot of them. I have got a list now, and we're starting to bring them in of things we're going to be reviewing all over the place. Because I, it's not that I have anything against Davidoff. I want to expand out. And when I was last in New York, I stopped by the townhouse over at Nat Sherman. I actually stopped by, uh, uh, was it Club, Mon- Club Macanudo or was it Club Monte Cristo? Whatever it is, they're on 2nd Avenue in, in like, 52nd. Club Macarena? No, that wasn't it. Uh, And I'm like, there's just so many good things out there, and I want to expand even further. But I was looking at the shape of this, and this is what's known as as, as a figurado. So it starts almost at a point as you would a pyramid. Then it opens up, gets a little thicker, and then it just tapers out at the bottom, as opposed to the foot being, you know, cut right across uh, or anything like that. It tapers down. So it's a it's a figurado shape is how you would describe it. This cigar is a Nicaraguan wrapper, Habano Rosado wrapper, uh, the binder and filler, uh, which come from a series of places, including Esteli, um, are also Nicaraguan. My aunt was named Esteli. Well, that's special. Uh, this is a beautiful brown. This is a beautiful uh, milk chocolate a little bit darker into that uh, brown uh, color that I absolutely positively love. This has done massive work in uh, in, in the ratings. This has been uh, the People Cigar Aficionado uh, back in 2013 when it was originally put out. Loved and adored this cigar in in every uh, in every possible way. Um, it is a bit of uh, vanilla toffee. It is a bit of um, a pepper, oddly enough, oddly enough, there's a touch. There's a touch in the beginning uh, that comes through, which isn't, you know, as I see it very often for 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 Nicaraguan uh, cigars. And it's you're talking about a, a solid medium, a solid medium to full cigar. It's also going to be rather creamy. That vanilla is going to shine through. Uh, I think that pepper is going to go in and get more into a nutty. I'm just such a fan of Nicaraguans that I I, I I'm, I'm biased. I'm totally totally biased. I'm already, we haven't even really gotten into it. I'm already thrilled. Thrilled. Not crazy about the draw. I'm sure it'll get better um, as we get into it. Okay. Take one. Well, show me. Because when you're dealing with something that's an odd shape, whether it be a pyramid or whether it be like this, a, a figurado, you might need to cut it a little bit more for how you smoke it. This is cut very, very close to the cap. 
And the reason that's done is to make sure you have as much cigar as possible. You didn't buy a cigar to have it cut an inch from the cap or a half an inch from the cap or something like that mm. and, and not be able to enjoy it. So that's why this is done. Never be afraid to go back and have them open it up a little bit more. The old, what matters most to cigar is your ability to enjoy it. So sometimes the draw issues are not the cigar itself. It is how it's cut. We've on this show, on this podcast, which you can get at Apple Podcasts. You really should subscribe. Subscribe, eat, drink, smoke, Apple Podcasts. Write a review and leave a five-star review. Um, we've been able to, we've told people, we, sorry, we need this recut. Happens. Totally happens. So if it's still happening to you, go, go call them over and, and have them recut it. Any tobacconist worth their salt is going to be happy to do it. And then check in on you, make sure it was good. If you're ever in a cigar place where they're like, oh, no, 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 you don't need that. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place because this is about personalized levels of comfort. It's the same thing with the size of a cigar, right, uh, in, in terms of, of how, how big around it is. This has got, I, I would argue, more of a uh, Toro uh, size. is a 54 ring gauge. That's how, that's how thick it is around. <laughs> He's always laughing. Uh, but this is not a Toro size, which would be about five and a half inches long. This is uh, more like six and a half. That's the way I would describe. Go ahead. Oh, I feel like I'm my my tee is now annoying you. No, 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 it's fine. You uh, gotta do oh, it. okay, tee. There it is. Because you talk about something <laughs> being six and a half inches I, long, I, <laughs> and he's like, oh, if only. Uh, so that that's the size of it here. But no, don't ever be afraid. Now it looks like it's burning fine. The smoke's coming across fine. It's getting better. You just feel like you're having to work. I, in it. the beginning, but now it, now because that because it tapers down and yeah. you're having to close your mouth a little bit more to work on it, right? Because you're not. It, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny here. It's not. It's not in a natural position because of the shape. It's why La Flor Dominicana, La Flor Dominicana, makes uh, fantastic cigars. I am a, such a fan of the Double Ligero. I am a fan of the Airbender. They're great cigars. They make a cigar called the Chisel. And if you ever give me a chisel, I will very happily throw it in the trash for you. <laughs> because it comes down, it's like, picture a pyramid that was in a box press. And just comes down in this hard, hard angle. And it's just, it's miserable on the mouthfeel. Absolutely miserable. And other people will be like, Tony, you're crazy. I love it. That's fine. I can't have it for a second. Well, so do you think they do it because it's a good gimmick? It looks different? I think that for... The guys who do the blending, and there's a lot of talk now about how more and more people, they had been blending with uh, Pepin, uh, uh, Garcia, uh, um, Jay Pepin, and now there's a lot of work going on with AJ Fernandez uh, happening. Uh, I think that for the, for the blender, they have a vision, and all we're talking about is not gimmick, but rather art. How do they see this being presented to the people? Now, is there some gimmick in art? Absolutely. But could there be reasons for what they think you're going to get out of it if smoked a certain way and the draw comes in a certain way and therefore it's more impactful? Absolutely. Absolutely. They do. It's, it's, but like with all artists, you don't always agree with their interpretation of, of the subject matter. And I, I have tried. I simply I – ref, I would ref, gladly refuse the chisel from you every day. Other La Florida Dominicanas, it's not about the cigar. It's just about that shape. Well, the other thing, too, when you, you just said it's not about the cigar, uh, so far I'm enjoying this, Other and the draw is getting better, but it does not pair well with the Rob Roy. <laughs> yeah, I listen, the whole mixed drink thing, I just, I'm, I'm not there. And I was never there. I was never a mixed drink guy. But again, people love it. 
And I wanted to try it because it was this list that you came across, Fingers, of easy to do. Where, oh, I lost, I lost the list. I got to find it. The Thrillist. It, it, yes. Uh, it was the easy to do drinks for Thanksgiving. Um, and here, so Rob Roy was was one of the drinks that was uh, uh, best and easiest cocktails to make on Thanksgiving. So one of them was the Rob Roy, right? So it was the uh, the Scotch that we used, which is the old blow-in from uh, Backbone Bourbon. Then it was Sweet Vermouth, Angostura Bitters, and a Lemon Twist. Then they have something called, and I never heard of this before, the Jack Rose, which I'm assuming is an homage to the Titanic. And it's two ounces of Laird's Bonded Apple Jack. I've never heard of that. Three-quarter ounce lemon juice and three-quarter ounce grenadine. I mean, that's fruit punch at that moment. <laughs> it's that, that actually sounds great and sweet and like something that should be in the punch bowl. But can you imagine going to someone's house and saying, hey, can you make me a uh, Jack Rose? Have the reaction no. be, uh, well, what's in a Jack Rose? Uh, well, you need some Laird's Bonded Apple Jack. I don't have any Laird's bonded apple jack. What you mean? You don't, <laughs> you don't have any Laird's well, I think, I bonded think the apple point jack? of this is that you would have and be like, "Hey, let me get let me get you a, 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 a Jack Rose." Oh, what's a Jack Rose? You don't know what a Jack Rose is. You see, you go the other way with it. Then they had the ever popular, the classic brandy Alexander, which is cognac creme de cacao, 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 um, and then uh, whipped cream, and then some great freshly grated nutmeg. Very holiday season kind of thing. Who has freshly who has fresh nutmeg around the house? You do well if you're going to do the drink properly. That's what I'm saying. These people are serious. The mixed drink people, the mixologist people, they're serious. It matters. It's science, man. It's like cooking, right? So so cooking is an art. When you are making a meal, it is an art form. And it's very much based on feel. It's based on your interpretation. It's based on a on on, on a history. It's based on on where you come from, right? That's 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 when you make the meal. That's art. Baking is a science. Baking is you cannot tinker. It is precise. It is about it is about accuracy. It is about baking powder, not baking soda. And you cannot you cannot change those things. Otherwise, you will have nothing. It's about time to rise. It's about baking temperatures. It's about knowing your oven and hot spots and cool spots. You have to know these things in order to get the right product then after that it could be a little bit about feel when you know your environment and everything else and knowing things that you could substitute and things you've practiced with and you can envision and certain flavor combinations that can go together you have much more room with cooking uh, than you do with baking Uh, i think the people who are, are drinking and wanting to mix they're in that latter category they're in the um in the category of science but they have to have an idea of, okay, here's what I want to put together. And then they try things, and they mix, and they match, and they write it down, and they go over it. Oh, my gosh. The people who are serious about it, they're, like, really serious about it. It's kind of fascinating. They get down into the, into the, into the weeds on where this goes. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> it's like I said. For cooking, Mrs. Dash. That's all you need, Tony. Mrs. Dash. <laughs> and for your drinks. <laughs> oh, no. This cigar is, by the way, I would go more on a full than a medium. This is what's this has got some strength. What's the price point on this? Do you know? Okay, this price point on this is about twenty five. Um, no, the answer is yes. I would. This is a cigar. This has to be your kind of cigar. There are some cigars, no doubt, are worth the money. There are some cigars I wouldn't come anywhere close to the money. This is one that I could do on a 
more regular, but not regular basis, this is one I would have in my humidor. You know what's weird about this? Because it has like a, a tapered foot and a tapered cap. Right. I already feel like I've gone through much more of the cigar than I would normally because it's tapered on both ends. And the draw is, is, is intensified because... I mean, that's a small cut, man, yeah. where, where it tapers, right? That is a small cut, but it's it's so worth trying. It really and truly is worth trying. I don't the think question- we've had a bad Davidoff. I don't ever remember having a bad Davidoff. It happens. I, I, can't, I, don't know which one, I don't know what the last cigar we had. I'd have to go back and say, okay, that one was no good. You know what we need to do? And we'll do this next month. We will do our best cigar of 2019. We will go through the entire year of podcasts there at Apple Podcasts, which you should subscribe to, and we will do our best of 2019. You know what? We might, we might do, give it two weeks. Give it two weeks. We'll, we will get that done. Now, have you seen Elon Musk of Tesla and his introduction of Cybertruck? <laughs> it went well. It did not go well. I want to say for the record, it did not go well. So Elon Musk is Tesla. Elon Musk is a guy who's made way, made way too much money figuring out how to uh, get investments in his green tech. He's building a battery company, guys. That's what he's, he's totally, totally building. But he's done some amazing things. He has mainstreamed Tesla. He has mainstreamed the electric car. SpaceX is amazing what they are able to do with space launches, I mean, not only are they able to figure out how to reuse the boosters, they land the boosters. If you've never seen how SpaceX works, when they launch something out, the booster rockets fade away like you're used to seeing on the shuttle. When we used to have a shuttle. Remember when America had a space program? Those were good times. But these boosters are then self-guided, and they land, and they're able to reuse them. It is amazing how this whole process has, has taken place and taken off. So... Elon Musk has been putting the Teslas out there. He's been bringing down price points on certain ones. I think the Model 3 is is now, what, $30,000, $35,000. You're seeing Teslas everywhere. He's mainstreamed it. Well, there have been rumors of a truck. Now, electric pickup trucks are happening. Ugh. GM people are moving into it. Don't get, don't get angry, fingers. This is the world. Ford put a $580 million investment into Rivian. Have you seen the Rivian truck? It is hot. Now, I say this as a guy, uh, I, you know, I have sponsors in and out on, on the radio side. So I am sponsored, full disclosure, I'm sponsored right now. I'm doing a sponsorship for, for Ram, for the Central Indiana Ram uh, truck dealers. And they gave me one. They're like, here, try this out for a while. I'm trying out the 2020 1500 Limited. It's the Ram 1500 Limited. The thing is insane. And it's huge. I mean, it's, it, it barely fits in the garage. But it does fit. I'll say that. And I've got a pretty clean garage. Um the the I, I would take that on a cross country trip. That's how comfortable this thing is. The power ports are every. It's nuts. Ram has to know, just like Ford has to know, which is the leader in 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 the truck world. Sh- uh, Chevy has to know. They just redid the the, the Silverado. It's beautiful. The G the, the the Denali and everything else. Beautiful trucks for GMC. This is what they're going up against, and this is why you're seeing the investments from Ford and other people. That nobody wants a car. They don't even want an electric car. They want an electric truck. And now they're getting electric truck. Yes. Do they? I'm yes. Still, I'm, I'm still waiting for the market. I want to know who's going to buy this. 
I, I, right now, I'm looking at a bunch of people who are ordering this Tesla truck, which, by the way, the Tesla truck looks like RoboCop Hold and on. Matchbox no, no. had a baby. No, wait, wait, wait. We haven't even got... Uh, hold on. Rivian is making something beautiful. And some of the mock-ups I had seen of Tesla looked gorgeous. And then Elon Musk unveils this thing. For, if your seven-year-old kid drew a, a version of, the, of a car, you ever have a Pinewood Derby car just go completely wrong? That's this. It's just ridiculous. Have you seen the meme being floated around of a, a Pontiac Aztec humping a DeLorean? Yes. And then, and then <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks but like. I just can't imagine. Uh, you're with three ranchers. One's got a GMC. One's got a Chevy. One's got a Ford. Or, in, okay, we'll go with Dodge, whatever. And you show up with your it's Tesla brand, truck. Not Dodge there. A whole different brand. Yeah. Oh, true story. Oh, they're serious about it too. Ram is go it take used a to look. be Dodge Ram. It's not it, it, Dodge that's Ram over. anymore. It's just Ram. It's okay. just they have they have worked aggressively on getting that marketing out because of course that's what they're associated with. And I happen to, I think Dodge is terrific, man. The Challenger is awesome. It's fantastic. The Durango they've redone in a way that's something you actually want. You know, they they've done the work over there, and I think they've done great marketing as well. Uh, everything about it. Uh, but yeah, but the Ram is separate. But do they want it? Yes, the people want. It. Clearly, they want it. The investment is not for no reason. You listen. You know better than I. You know that world extremely well. Are, are people driving cars anymore? I know the current pickup truck market, and I know people who buy pickups, and and many of them need to tow a boat, a, a motor, a, 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 a camper. They don't need to tow two hundred thousand pounds. Which you can do for, with an electric vehicle? For 200 miles and then have to quit and charge it? This, this, look, I'm not saying that there isn't a market for it. Now, I just don't, the technology is going to improve over time and they're going to get further along. I reject this whole notion that this is environmentally better for the planet than the internal combustion engine because you there is a whole different set of environmental problems with these electric vehicles. I agree. Well, wait, that's one of the great things no one's talking about. This is not, electric vehicles are not a panacea by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying no to that. And and, and you you should keep bringing that up. You should like we should do more on that subject because they're not. I mean, the electricity has to be made somehow, folks, right? And and government is getting behind this. Listen, Last week, California announced it's not going to the state's not going to buy vehicles from General Motors, Toyota, and I'm forgetting the other company because they were backing Trump and this whole environmental uh, the the, the uh, cafe standards, the mileage standards, saying it was too severe. California did what? They said they are not going to buy cars from or vehicles from General Motors, Toyota. Wait, are they not going to wait? Jim, uh, Toyota, and who else? Oh, jeez. There's one other. Yeah. Is, are they not buying them for government use? Government or are they use. not going to allow them to be sold? No, 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 in, no, no, are they going to try to do that? Government use. Okay. Here's my conspiratorial hat. Where are Tesla's made, Tony? Are they made in California? They're made in California. How does he afford to make them in California? He bought an old General Motors slash Toyota joint venture plant, and they are making them in California. I mean, that's the listen. This was supposed to be this is a tech company that is making right. vehicles, so they they based it in California. Well, now California's uh, said that they're going to not buy 
GM, Toyota, and I'm, maybe it was Chrysler. I can't, I'll have to look and it up. And this is quick. one of the great problems with government getting involved. This is what, what I start with, that, that Elon Musk has absolutely figured out how to manipulate the system and is utilizing our dollars and, and all, on all these types of things to, to make his vehicles grow, which is really about, again, the battery, which the, the power is what it's all about. But the question was about whether or not people want electric vehicles, and the answer is they do, and they want them in the ways that they want them. Trucks are huge. SUVs are huge. This is what people want. We want big. We don't want small. The people who drive the smart cars are out of their mind crazy. They're delusional nut. But they're going to have to come a long way in their technology. I know people that will drive a, a camper across country. You can't do that 200, 300 miles at a time. And then find a place to charge your vehicle and then start all over the next day. By the way, uh, the state of California will stop buying cars made by General Motors, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, and Toyota over uh, because they've sided with President Donald Trump in a fight over fuel economy rules that has sharply divided the nation's automakers. Okay. And Teslas are made in California. That's an interesting story. You know what else is an interesting story? When Elon Musk un- unveils this truck, <laughs> he's like, oh, this truck is indestructible. I mean, it looks ridiculous. The truck is indestructible. I mean, it's, it's half cool. The truck is indestructible. And his head engineer takes a metal ball and throws it at the driver's side window to prove that it's indestructible. And the window shatters. Just shatter. It didn't fall down, but it just shatters. And off, so- off to the side, you can hear Elon Musk go, oh, my blanking God. Oh, my effing God. Can't believe that Elon Musk does it and the window breaks. He goes, thanks. We still got some work to do. Meanwhile, they've gotten orders for 146,000 trucks, according to Elon Musk. Now, you never know if he's telling the truth. This is a guy who talks about stock prices and I think uses Twitter to manipulate stock prices and does a- quite a few things. I am not totally sold on the greatness of Elon Musk. I am certainly sold on the showmanship of Elon Musk. I am certainly sold on the idea that he has been able to sell America on an idea. That much is is for sure. But the truck is going to retail for just under 40 grand, which means you're going to get one well-equipped for about 50 grand. And that's where people are in the car market. They're in that $50,000 place. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable you need to spend $50,000 in order to get a good car? Really and truly? That's where we're getting, yeah. And plus, you've noticed, look, 20 years ago, you didn't want to finance a car any longer than five years. 60 months was the standard. You're seeing people finance cars 84 yeah. months. So we, we were, you know, I talked about my, my, my mother-in-law and talking about some people we know here and people we know there and... They're, they, they, they're taking vacations out of the country, and then they're, they're going to Disney, and then they're going to oh, they're gonna spend a weekend in, 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 or a week in Virginia. I know how much money I make. I do better than some, not as well as others. And I know that I make investments into my business, and maybe that's where my money goes. It is impossible when I see some of the people, I see some of the people who live around me, and I hear about the, what the I see the cars that they're driving. Remember, I have, I have two cars, right? When I'm fortunate enough to get one from a sponsor and drive for a while, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but the car I own, I, I own free and clear. We also have, because we're, we're a family, we have a minivan. And we will end up paying that off in the next year, right? But the payment is under 300 bucks. Yeah. Right? So, so we, we can handle it. And it's the only payment we have. No credit card debt at all. We have none. I actually, we, I, we each have one credit card. One credit, that's it. 
We that's, know, and you you realize that you are a minority when it comes to that. Uh, we have come to realize when we see these people, and we're like, how do they afford these things? How do they do it? The amount of debt beyond the eyeballs is more than I can understand, and I don't know how they do it. I've been, I know, I did it young. I made all the mistakes. I, uh, I. Done some things with business. I had taken. I made three different bets. Right. I made three different bets on three different companies. That if one of them worked, I'd be a millionaire today. And they all went belly up. And I got destroyed. But I'm the guy who made the bet. I'm the guy who lost. Right. And that was ten years ago. When it when it all went to well, eleven years ago when it all went to hell in a handbasket. Ten years ago is when I said I'm going to do radio because you know that's the smart, prudent thing to do <laughs> when you've got no money and no prospects. And, and the rest is, you know, beyond blood, sweat, and tears and, and history, if you will, in terms of, of, of rebuilding. And we'll never go through that again. We, we absolutely refuse. So I, I own a house. I could, I could buy more house. What's the point? I have no interest in, in being a house poor. I have no interest in, in uh, wondering how the first of the month is going to go. I, things are set on an auto pay, right? I swear to you, I don't even think about it anymore. Which is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It took it took a lot of years of. If it wasn't for Craigslist in those first four or five years, uh, my kids would never have had clothes. That's where we got clothes. My kids were super young at the time. Uh, toys. There would have been there would have been no toys if it wasn't for Craigslist and buying something that cost somebody seventy two dollars and we got it for five bucks. Yeah. And thank God my kids had no clue. Right. They had no, all, you know what they knew? This was awesome, right? And and so people had it much worse than I did. I'm saying it was just rough. But you, it, is the vacation that important to you? I was planning on going on vacation this December. I was going to take two weeks. I was going to be gone. And I'm looking at it. And I'm looking about what, you know, what I'm building with the podcast, what I'm doing with the radio shows, and some of the other things that I want to do, what the 2020 plans are. And I'm like, if you have a family of four, I mean, if you even try to go to Disney, <laughs> honestly, a family of four, a week in Disney, a week in Disney, how much is a ticket a day in Disney? Uh, well, it depends on how long you go. They give you a price break, but you could get, a, a t- if you stay four days, $80 a ticket. I'm going in a couple hey, of weeks. Per day. Per day. I'm going in a couple of weeks. I only need a one-day ticket. It's $139. So let's argue that it's $80, and you're going for a week. You're six days. First of all, who the hell could do six days at Disney? But for if it's a family of four, that's 480 times four. That's $2,000. And nobody's gotten on a plane yet, and no one's eaten a meal yet. So you're going to be six seven six thousand $6,000 in? Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't I can't do it. And what my point to you is is that if other people are doing it and they're doing two a year and then they've got the the car, we're even on a a 7-year payment. They're yeah. still paying $500 a month. I'm sorry. I don't or more. I don't I can't, I can't I don't know how they do anything. And the answer is they ride debt levels that I don't know how one one thing goes wrong and it's all over. And I'm I'm one of the people who's kind of convinced. I think the economy is going rather well. And I think the naysayers are massively mistaken when you take a look at some of the insane growth that's going on out there. There are seven million jobs available. Only six million people looking for jobs. I mean, it's in, it's it's massive. 
but like this can all you can have a bubble burst again you can sure. have a real estate bubble burst again and things can get really sloppy for a lot of people I can answer your question now, please do. I, I work in an industry where a lot of people go to work and they hate the fact that they go to that particular job cooking and so they need an escape they need an escape from their everyday life and if that is looking forward 40 weeks from now to get away for a week to go to Disneyland or Disney World that's their it's their escape but can't the escape be something else sure it can that's all, that's all I'm asking. But I think that that, that mentality is, oh, you know what? I, I, I go to a job that really sucks. I can't stand it. But, boy, for a week in October, I'm going to be able to take my family and get away from all of this. There was an article in uh, the New York Post by Selena Zito, who I like a lot. I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of Selena Zito. And one of the things I'm a fan of is that she does an extremely good job of con- of getting to know people where they are. She's a really good reporter, and one of the things she focuses on is is the Midwest, and that and that's how we end up talking. Because I, of course, I talk about the Midwest and on radio all the time. She's got a book called The Great Revolt. It's inside the populist coalition reshaping American politics, and the story at the New York Post is the fact that Rust Belt voters on Trump, I'd vote for him again in a heartbeat. Right, uh, that that the these people of, of of the Midwest are like, oh, I'm absolutely, absolutely positively going to vote for this guy again because the person that you're talking about, right, who works a job that they hate. This goes back to a conversation from Senator Kamala Harris, who's a Democrat running for president, in one of the debates, and she's like, do you know people work two jobs that they can't stand in order to feed their family? And America looked at that and said, do you understand that? Yeah. Because that's everybody. That is every. I am fully appreciative of the level of of good fortune that is my life, regardless of how hard I've worked. And I have worked and sweated and and did things and did not sleep and sacrificed in absolute ways to get to this place. And I'm just getting started. I but I understand how good this place is and the good fortune that happened along the way that the hard work opened up the doors for to get there. Is this really the first time in Kamala Harris's blessed, touched life that she learned that people work jobs they freaking hate because the family has to get fed? And this is like this is the whole point. This is why this is why uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, forever the small amount of numbers turned in 2016, they turned in 2016 because these people they go to work every day. And it's jobs they don't like. And their backs hurt. And their knees hurt. And their ankles hurt. And something else hurts. And they take care of their families and feed their families and put the kids through college and pay for the band camp and do the all, all these other things for their kids and for their families. And they struggle to go on the vacation. But, of course, they want to be able to go on the vacation because it makes you feel human. And every time they turned on the news in 2012, 13, 14, 15, and 16... They were told they were racist and bigots, and they weren't paying their fair share. And they said, what the bloody hell is this? What in the world is this? And that's why, that's why these people are still saying, oh, I'm with Trump. Because there's, how, how hard is it to understand that people are working hard? People can't understand it in the media and political bubble. I can break it down very simply for these people. 
the people who came out and voted for Trump, how many times have we seen in past elections where they do exit polling? And one of the the key questions that's asked is, did this candidate, does this candidate care about my problems? Now, you know how big that was in 2012? The 2012 election uh, cares about people like me. That was the question of the exit polls. And I think Obama took like 80 plus percent. Yeah. And I, you, you, could, you could find the number. I could be wrong on, on how big, but it was a massive number. Cares about people like me. And you look at the Rust Belt states, Tony, that have been largely ignored by both parties. The Republicans, they'll give a pretty speech every four years. I'm going to reform the tax code, and you'll be able to fill out your tax return on a postcard. And send, and then nothing happens. And meanwhile, people in the Midwest, they're, they're losing their jobs in the Rust Belt. Their brother or sister's hooked on opioids. And it feels like both parties left them behind. And here you got a guy who comes in. Now, I'm not going to debate whether his policies have been helpful or haven't been helpful. That's a topic for another discussion uh, or another time. But... He's come into Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and GM can't sell this plant. I care about these people. I care about the people that have lost their jobs. I care about the steel workers. I care about the coal miners that have lost their jobs. Now, to look at the data over four years, has his, has his policies helped these people or have they hurt them? That's a discussion that you need to have going forward. Mm-hmm. But you can't say that he hasn't paid attention to these people because right. he has, which is something that both political parties have paid lip service to every four years, and then it goes away. And but, I think that's a hard emotional bond to break with those voters and why you're going to see those people in the Rust Belt states say, I'm going to vote for me. And there have been some people who have tried to, to do that and failed miserably, like Pete Buttigieg. And then there are some people who have tried to connect and I think have had some levels of success, like Andrew Yang. So, so don't get me wrong. I'm not with him on policy. This idea of the, what he calls the freedom dividend, which is really the universal basic income. It's about giving everybody $1,000 a month. It's a terrible, terrible idea. They tried it in Finland. And what they find, oh, people are happy, but they didn't get jobs. Yeah, someone gives you 1000 bucks a month, you'll be happy. The problem is money isn't happiness, which is a whole different conversation altogether. But no, it doesn't work. It's a bad, bad idea. A good idea is Fanimation. For your ceiling fans. Here at Blend Bar Cigar, they have ceiling fans everywhere, right? you got to move the air. And that is what Fanimation does. At all the locations of Blend Bar Cigar, it's Fanimation ceiling fans. Imagine what it's going to do for your living room, for your family room, for your bedroom. You're going to be able to move the air, whisper quiet engines or motors, I should say. You're not going to hear them at all and totally customizable. Any way you want them to look, Fanimation.com is going to make them look that way. They really are terrific. They're gorgeous. They're so well built. And they're available at Fanimation.com. 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 That's where you want to go and get this ceiling fan. And honestly, the amount of, wow, it really does make the room. It's it's the dude, man. I've talked about it before. It ties the room together. It really and truly does. It's going to look beautiful. Indoor or outdoor. By the way, if you've got a porch, you need some ceiling fans out there. Fanimation.com. Great sponsors of this podcast. You are going to love what they do. Fanimation.com. Uh, I'm not a Rob Roy guy. Yeah. It's official. I'm not a Rob Roy uh, guy. Uh, I am all about this cigar, though. I am all about it. Wow. Am I enjoying the daylights out of it? Like, this will go. This will go. This is, this is a in the humidor cigar. Just a couple, right? I don't, think I, I don't think I have a box of these in the humidor. I think I keep, like, three or four in the humidor. I think I could, you know, every now and again, you know, a, a, a more 
I'm going to treat myself kind of kind of day. This is lovely. Would you do you consider yourself uh, at twenty five dollars a stick? This is a splurge. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always feel that way about twenty five bucks. I do feel that way about twenty five bucks. I just feel like we've found so many sticks that have been in the nine to eleven dollar price range that I'm happy with. I I would say that we and and there are. I would say in terms of like really good flavor, like okay, they've done something special here. I have found enough in the sixteen to twenty to make me feel good, and I really don't have a problem dropping that. If go go to a go eat fast food, and all of a sudden you'll find you spent twelve bucks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'd ra- I'd rather eat at home and do this. You know what I mean? Right. And step out onto the deck and do this, and and I don't mind treating myself in that way. But it's not price does not denote quality. But sometimes you have to pay for something worthwhile, and so that's where I am with with this cigar. Uh, now it is it is Thanksgiving, so if there's anything uh, anything that you would like to uh, to say for Thanksgiving, uh, feel 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 free, feel free. Is there any any Thanksgiving wishes you have? Fingers in the light for the people. For for me, I I wish friend. we could we could have world peace, Tony. Well, that's one of us. And I wish that everyone could have a Tesla truck in the in the garage and uh, a, a chicken in every pot. Wow, yeah. Look at you. Look God at bless you. us one and all. I didn't believe a word you said. <laughs> Find Fingers Malloy, uh, Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook, fingersmalloy.com. Find me on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio on t- what? What about you? What, what about you, me? What are you thankful for? I, I, you put I, me I, on the spot. What, what are you thankful I, well, I don't think it was on the spot. It's Thanksgiving. Well, look, I'm thank- you know? thankful for family and friends, and I'm thankful for you, Tony. I'm thankful for uh, good health. I mean, look at me. I'm a mess, and yet I'm still able to get out of bed every day and function. And at my age, that's something. You know what? I'll say this. Ditto. <laughs> Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook, as I said. Tony Katz, Twitter. Tony Katz, Instagram. Oh, definitely follow on Instagram. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Eat, drink, smoke. Go listen. Subscribe on Apple Podcast. Get into it. Get on it. In a couple weeks, we will have our reviews. We will have our, our retrospective. And we'll do the best cigar of 2019 that we've reviewed. The best 2019 cigar that we have uh, reviewed right there. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcast. My thanks to Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com, to fanimation.com, to backbonebourbon.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.